Hey everyone, and welcome to- Wait, what? Oh! Ooh, this is a sparkly bonus episode of Epicurean Unicorn! Hello, and welcome to a fun, fantastic, and fabulous episode of Epicurean Unicorn! I am your host for today, Brayden. I'm here all alone, again, to introduce an interview that we recorded last year, in 2020. This was one of the first interviews we recorded, and we've been hanging on to it because it was just too fantastic, and we didn't know if we could release such awesomeness out into the world yet. We spoke with Etienne Corbet. Etienne is one of our co-workers here at Parados. He's a fantastically talented pastry chef, chocolatier, who has spent many years now in sales, really helping our chocolate customers fill the needs that they have for chocolate getting them what they need, and really educating them about chocolate. He's very passionate about cacao trace, sustainability. He's passionate about chocolate in general, the flavors, the aromas. The man knows and loves chocolate. And that's why we sat down with Etienne. We wanted to really get a lot of that knowledge out of him and be able to share it with everybody else. So now, as we are inspired by the changing of the leaves and the seasons turning from summer to fall. I at least start to think a lot about sustainability. I think about the environment. I think about all of these great fall activities and how we need to make sure that our kids and our kids' kids will be able to still have these activities. And that's a lot of what we talked about with Etienne too, was about, again, sustainability and how we make sure that you know, our children's children are going to have chocolate. We hope, of course, that you enjoy and that you learn something. And without any further ado, let's talk with Etienne. Here we go. We have now with us Etienne Corbett. Etienne, hello. How are you? Uh, thank you, Brighton. Uh, doing well. Thank you. Can you, first off, just tell everybody a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and what's brought you to where you are now? Originally from France. <laughs> okay, my, my background, and I'm a trained pastry chef, chocolatier confiseur. I did my apprenticeship in uh, Avalon, France, a small town in Burgundy. And uh, then uh, I traveled to Paris to continue my formation at uh, Le Nord Paris under the well-known pastry chef, uh, Mr. Gaston Le Nôtre, and many other great talented chefs. Where I continue learning my uh, you know, new skill and technique. But at the time, quality ingredients, technique, passion was very important. Then I moved uh, to the state, uh, where I worked for uh, Gaston Le Nôtre's son. Uh, his name is Alain Le Nôtre. And then took a position at Parados around 2003 in a sales and technical advisor. And then in 2014, we to the chocolate team. I have to ask, having all those great experiences uh, working for Chef Lenote, do you have any fun stories or anything that you could share a little bit more about that experience? Maybe a takeaway that could help other people who might just be starting out? Uh, yes, I, I think I was uh, fortunate to uh, to be surrounded by, by you know, great chefs that really knew uh, quality uh, over uh, where we are today, which is more like the bottom line. <laughs> so you had to make great product using 
very high, high quality ingredients and everything that you made just just bring flavor uh, um, and you could see quality on the product. I think that's great advice. And it's something that I know as a pastry chef, I try to follow is to always use the best so that at the end of the day, you have the best and don't cut any corners with what you're putting into your product. Because if you do, it won't be the best. And what we're always looking for is to make the best finished good that we can. We're here to talk a little bit about chocolate, which is now your bread and butter, so to speak, and the chocolate market and trends that we're seeing in the market. What I would like to start with is your general impression of the market right now and what trends we're seeing. Are we seeing trends towards healthier chocolates? Are we seeing trends towards more single origin chocolates? Or are we seeing trends towards more indulgent chocolates? What do you see right now when you look at the market? Yeah, I will say it's um, a little bit everywhere. Obviously, it seems like we we have consumed so much sugar over the years. And I think uh, right now, sugar might look at our, most likely like our enemy, I will say. Uh, as you know, we we are consuming roughly twice the amount of uh, the normal daily recommendation. Um, so it's uh, it, it's a mix, of course, because uh, people want to still indulge uh, and they want to find ways. Um, so there's a lot of different companies uh, coming out with different type of product. But I would say for, for our side in Corrado's, we, we are looking to actually reduce the sugar in, in, the, in the chocolate versus uh, implementing it with, uh, you know, a, a alternative type of sugar with stevia or maltitol. Um, and, but we are doing this uh, by mastering the fermentation uh, where we feel that if you start with a good product, ferment it well, um, then work with more natural type of ingredients and not um, compromise on the taste. And as you know, uh, chocolate coming from different parts of the world is the terroir, uh, the soil where the product has grown will actually give you the different type of flavor. So yes, of course, origin uh, also due to the story um, make a great uh, new uh, attractive for people who wants to consume chocolate more as an indulgence, maybe less, but still want to want to taste the difference and ha- have a, have a, be able to de- to test uh, the chocolate flavor coming from the chocolate versus sugar, which most likely we were testing in the past. Would you say that the trend towards lower sugar chocolates is driving the trend of chocolates with a higher uh, percentage of cacao? Or would you say it's maybe the other way around, that having less sugar in the chocolate is a happy accident? of the preference that the consumer has been having over the last few years of having a higher percentage cacao? Yeah, I think it's all about uh, 
you know, the education on chocolate. Of course, you go to the store expecting uh, to look for something. And if you know, now with all the nutrition information listed on packaging, um, people also look for alternative if you're sensible to like if you're diabetes, for instance, you will look for no sugar product because, you know, sugar, of course, is not, um, uh, you will be uh, not tolerant to that. So there is, is a mix of people looking for no sugar, uh, no sugar added, in order reduce sugar or higher cocoa content to avoid uh, having too much sugar in the product. I think it's important for people who may not know exactly what the makeup of chocolate is, is you can only, let's say, have 100%, right? Your your chocolate bar is 100% of all the ingredients. So if you see a chocolate bar that says it's 80% cacao, what does that mean for the consumer? Well, it means that it contains 80% of cocoa, what we call cocoa liquor, then the remaining is a little bit of sugar and then, uh, you know, natural vanilla or as well as uh, emulsifier, um, which means either soy lecithin or sunflower lecithin or no lecithin at all. Sometimes you can find also product made with, with that. Perfect. So, yeah, the real takeaway, I think, for people looking for less sugar, cutting out sugar can be looking for a chocolate that has a higher percentage of the uh, cacao in it. You said something, though, about fermentation. And we talk a lot about fermentation with bread. Right now, everybody is focusing on their sourdough. But fermentation is very important in chocolate, correct? Yes, definitely. Um, As you know, fermentation is all about developing flavor, you know, like wine, like bread. Um, So if you start with quality ingredients, and then, you know, respect the fermentation and technique, you will most likely end up with a superior quality product. So as for wine, it all depends also the terroir, the balance of um, the rain to grow uh, the grapes in the sun to make sure that you have the right amount of natural sugar. And then it's time to harvest in managing the fermentation. So same as chocolate, once, you, once the pot are ripe and open, um, you get the juicy beans um, out, and then you 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 start the fermentation. Most likely, it's already it's <laughs> in most area. It's down on the floor, covered with banana leaves. But in Parados, we we took an extra step. We have a fermentation center where we actually drop the beans into wood wooden cases uh, for up to five days. And then we we control the sugar, alcohol um, by taking um, the temperature uh, at each each stage, and then uh, when once this is done, then it's it's dry uh, on table at sunlight. Uh, those are not dry heated, and these are very important stage to develop flavor in chocolate. Yeah. So so if you if you skip this. The fermentation step, you will very uh, get a very acidic uh, chocolate. Versus if you ferment it, then you're developing the flavor. For chocolate, is there 
an agreed upon time for fermentation or is it really about checking the beans and being an expert in fermentation and knowing when they're ready well it, it's it's kind of both i mean if if you part it's not ripe you will like everything else if it's too early it's not the right time it has to be it has to be a time for it so uh, what we do as as products, we control, so we we make sure that the the parts are ripe, and then when we open, there is a very juicy beans and rub and this jelly type um, consistency. And this is this is where you once this is um, put into those wooden boxes, it hello. The, the the sugar of that to give you um, the the to develop the flavor of the chocolate. So we're also seeing, in addition to the increased attention on fermentation and the increased importance of terroir, a real understanding that, like wine, chocolate uh, can really be affected by where it's grown. But we're also seeing people attach a great amount of importance to how the people who grow the chocolate are treated and making sure that we'll have chocolate, not just for us, but for our children and our grandchildren. What are you seeing in regards to sustainability in the market right now and how the market might be driving more sustainable practices in chocolate manufacturing and chocolate harvesting? Yeah, that's a good question. Because um, as we know today, we we can't continue living the way we have been, and especially for cocoa farmer. As I remember a couple of years back, uh, people were saying chocolate will become very expensive due to the emerging market like China and India. If they were going to consume even few grams a day, there will be not enough chocolate for the, for everyone. So as we know today, farmers are not making enough money. Um, from the chain, they're only making 6.6% versus 16% in 1980s. And they live only basically on a dollar 20 a day. So I don't think that's enough. So what, what can we do, Etienne? What can we do about that to make sure chocolate doesn't become too expensive and to make sure that these farmers are taken care of and that we can all continue to enjoy one of our favorite foods collectively? People love chocolate. Yes, yeah, so, so there is few sustainability programs that have been in place for quite some time. Um, but I feel, or we feel, that it's not enough. Even, even fair trade, uh, rainforest alliance, and others. But at the end, the farmer do not collect enough. Um, so a couple of years back, everybody wanted to work more towards sustainability. They asked the farmer to um, get more practice to grow more chocolate but then the chocolate came with abundance so the market crashed and then they produce more but they at the end collected even less so i would say for our end on torados uh, who started about uh, you know, over 10 years ago to develop their own sustainable program that actually benefit the farmer and uh, today we are proud of our cacao trace program what differentiate uh, from other is based on 
first quality, respect the environment, but also the people. And that at the end, the farmer get his share part. So we, uh, Prados put a very strict process in place. So each farm are um, edited and uh, make sure like there is no child labor, no slavery, etc. We also, this comes with, with um, us teaching the farmer how to better take care of their plantation. We are giving them technical assistance and support. And then uh, once the harvest come, um, they deliver us the beans to our fermentation center. But we teach them how to bring us the highest quality bean possible. Because that way, we take the fermentation under our umbrella versus having them doing it. Because as you know, like wine, if you collect three different grapes from three or four people, one might do a very well fermentation, one might not do, might do a medium fermentation. In other end, when everything gets to a, to a pile, you will not get the best wine. You will get a wine, but maybe not the best quality. What we want to do at Corrado's is we want all the farmers bring us the beans. We manage the fermentation. They actually leave three to four days that they don't have to do work. They actually can do something else for themselves. So once the farmer bring out the white beans, um, we right away pay them a premium on top of the farm price of the market. So they will get every time more money if they bring us high quality beans. So that's a step. The second, of course, we, we manage uh, the process. But then also, for every pound of chocolate that the consumer buy, five cents go back directly to the farmer and their community each year. Is there anything else that we are trying yes. to do? Uh, yes, because depending on the volume of cacao they have sold us, you know, actually money going back to, to the farmer. And for them, it's about two to three months salary. So that's, that's a very, uh, if you can get two, three months more salary, it's, it's, uh, it's a benefit for, for uh, versus, so that's on top of, of the farm price that everyone else paid. But also as a community, sometimes they choose to use that money toward building either school hospital, uh, fresh water, or, or at least uh, water uh, pump. And so for, for an example, last year in one of the community in Ivory Coast, they decided to build a school. So I think this is a great way to improve uh, the life of a uh, future generation in cocoa farmer. And, and, and on top, uh, um, helping farmer, uh, last year alone, we planted 100,000 trees in some of the plantation. And looking at uh, planting another uh, 300,000 tree every year, uh, starting 2023. So I think this is a great way to give farmer other income as well uh, that will help them to sustain themselves better and not to leave those small plantations. It will also, by planting trees, it will also help them with the soil to get fertilizing naturally and also having pollinization of the flower when they bloom 
this will likely save them money for not buying fertilizer or pesticide that at the end cost. We're really in chocolate harvesting. We're seeing almost a back to basics or a return to the past. That's correct. Well, I would say, you know, um, if you want to know more about Cocoa Trace, uh, you can uh, go on uh, our web on the website uh, of www.cacaotrace.com. And if you want to learn more about this uh, wonderful sustainable program. Etienne, thank you very much for coming on with us today. And thank you for sharing your vast knowledge of chocolate, the chocolate market, and what is being done to try to make sure that not only this generation, but future generations will have this wonderful food that's been enjoyed for thousands of years and that we can keep on enjoying. Thank you. You're very welcome. Have a great rest of the day. I'd like to, of course, thank Etienne again for taking that time out for us last year. You will have heard the audio was a little different. It's a little different than it is now. That was before we really had all of our equipment. We were still learning. We were still figuring it out. And I think that's very important for people to understand when they're making food, you know, when they're, whether it's cooking, whether it's baking, whatever it may be. It may not be right the first time. Just keep trying. Try the recipe again. Try it again. Try it again. You're going to get it right eventually. Now, we probably haven't gotten this right quite yet, but we know we're still trying and we're still every day making little changes, trying to make it better. And we really are so happy that all of you will join us. And we're so thankful to all of you for joining us every two weeks. And remember, when we have a regularly scheduled program, you can always email us at epicureanunicorn at parados.com. And we will check out your mail. We might read it on the air. We'll answer your questions. If nothing else, though, we will get back to you. So if you have any baking troubles and you ever need the help of a professional, please give us a ring at epicureanunicorn at parados.com. Just send those emails in. Again, thank you to Etienne. Thank you to all of you. And until next time, we will be seeing you. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you have questions, comments, baking troubles, or are just epicurious about the topics discussed today, you can send an email to epicureanunicorn at parados.com or give us a call at 215-402-7147. If your question is short and sweet, we might even feature it on the show. Epicurean Unicorn is a production of the Parados Corporation. Keep spreading the magic. Ah, the silence. The silence of being the only one here. I love it. Bye, everybody.